Hello everyone, welcome back. It's the full 40, it's Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And I think we just gotta jump right in here. Are we excited? Maybe. Maybe-ish? Yeah, well we gotta talk about the game of the week, which was the game against the Ohio Bobcats, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that was the one you circled on your calendar months ago and said, this is the test to start the season. Yeah. The Ohio Bobcats, you come out of that game saying, yeah, we know who we are. We're ready for March. That's what we did. <laughs> Lit up the Wells Fargo, baby. Yeah. Let's, bo- let's go! In that bastion of silence. <laughs> oh my god. It's- yeah, I was not at the game, but I can only imagine that place had to be just like a funeral. It was a morgue. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, that being said, no, in all seriousness, obviously the unfortunate game of the week was uh, the game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Womp womp. Womp And I should cut a clip of our season preview of when is the first fan freakout. Yeah. Because I said, game two, yeah. you're going to get blown out by Ohio State. <laughs> Jack. And then, yeah. and, then I, and then I kind of reverted, and I said after the Army game, oh, we actually looked more cohesive than I thought we would at this stage of the year. I revised my estimate to this will lose by 12. I wish I kept my original estimate. Not that it mattered, not that I bet on it. Right. But that being said, I think we need to talk about it. I think there's no sounding of the alarm here at the full 40. Last year, we recorded an emergency podcast after the Michigan game. Yeah. Like get that was, out. That get, was a hard reset of expectations. Yeah, that was a hard reset of expectations. If you've been listening to the full forty since the beginning of the season, which was like two weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> all of two weeks ago. Yeah, all of two episodes. Emotions are all over the place. Yeah, um, all of two weeks ago. You know that we came in and we said, "Team's young. It's going to struggle early. Think there's talent there. Could get it together, but not expecting too much more." Yep. We both and, expected this loss. And. Yeah, and I feel like we are right there. <laughs> they are who we thought they are. <laughs> so, so, so. That being said, let's let's talk a little bit about the game. Let's talk a little bit about what it means and everything. I don't think it means nothing. Like I, some people, are like mm-hmm. oh, you just gotta throw mm-hmm. out that loss and you gotta just walk away from it. Whatever. Like there's the initial react. I love like the state of Villanova Twitter and like Villanova fan reaction during a game, post game, etc. There's like during the game, absolute panic. Post game, it's like just dragging everybody. Then the next morning, it's like all the Jay Wright defenders come out of the woodwork and say, "You guys are all just crazy. Like whatever. Like this game means meaningless. It's blah blah blah. Whatever. Like." And I think that the answer is always somewhere in between. That, like, we didn't play well. We looked like shit. If your takeaway from the game was, ah, whatever, they just shot the ball really well, Ohio State did, and we shot poorly, and that was the difference of the game, like, sure, like, yeah, you could look at scoring and just be like, okay. 2018, we just shot the ball well. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, because right. it's your good basketball team. That's what you're getting at. Like, there, there's yeah. more to it than just looking at, Good shooting day, bad shooting day. That, that's not the whole story. Right. 
And if so, if you equalize the shooting percentage to like 35-40% for both teams, like it's still like a loss. So there are issues. The defense was horrendous. We got ran all the way over. Yeah. In every level of the game. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the guy that you wanted to watch before the game being Caleb Wesson. Yeah, who is our arf arf alpha dog of the week. Yeah, we don't normally do this, but Caleb Wesson, definitely the arf arf alpha dog of the week because (laughs) he was a damn alpha dog for sure. He belongs, we've talked about it before, we always always put it on a, a pedestal. He belongs to the 2008 Memphis team of men. He's a man, yeah, he, and he made JRE look like a child. Yeah, he did. He did. Like he had all. Oh, he, he had that one like spin move on the baseline um, in the first half, and it's just like, oh, 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 JRE. Like you can go back to high school after that one. It was it was real rough. Yeah, but my, dude, know what he knew what he's doing. My silver lining from that was that. Hey, JRE didn't look exactly ready to go into the draft, so I was like, <laughs> he's hey, coming back. Maybe he's coming back. <laughs> Um, oh, that's awesome. No, in all seriousness, the, the so we got trounced all over inside, outside. They hit everything. We weren't closing down on shooters. Like it was just a defensive absolute mess. Yeah, wasn't helped by the fact that Colin got into early foul trouble. And I, that's the next thing I want to hit is that I know that we were coming into the season, we were thin at the guard position. Yep, and at the same time. I'm still just so amazed when I actually see how thin we are at the guard position in action. Yeah. Well, I thought we, we talked about it. We talked about it on one of the other podcasts. I figured, you know, there'd be a game. There'd be a few games where, yeah, Colin would get into foul trouble early and we'd have to see how, how it would play out. I figured that would be like maybe once, maybe twice during the season, game 15 or so. Right. No. In this case, it's just game two. And it was like, oh, shit, Like we're going to give this a try, and yeah. hopefully it'll work. And it didn't. No, it didn't work. <laughs> there was nothing. It didn't work. And, and to, to his credit, Jay put him back in because, well, after five minutes, that game was over. Right. But he put Colin back in. Colin played under control, and that said, like, it didn't really change anything. In fairness to Colin, those two fouls, I didn't like either Oh, they were BS. Yeah. yeah, they were absolutely BS. Not fouls. that this game was a ref game at all. No, 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 no. no, no. At all. They were bad. They were Disagree with calls though. Yeah. So, but the thinness at the guard position was just on full display. Yeah. And here's the reasons why. Colin has become more of a facilitator and distributor than I think he was expected to ever become. And I think he's been exemplary as a as a villain of a basketball player. Now, that being said, he didn't come in with this like five-star, four-star, like, high four-star, like, reputation. So there's that, right? Then you have Justin Moore, who's a freshman, and on a, what I'll call a normal Villanova basketball year, I like Justin Moore. I like what he seems to bring to the table. Sure. Like, certainly he's got a lot of different skills, plays hard, has a lot of talent. But on a normal Villanova basketball year, a freshman Justin Moore wouldn't play more than, like, 12, 15 minutes a game. Probably true. Because presumably, yeah, there's a Jalen Brunson or there's somebody else who's running the show. Right, right. There's a series of guards who yep. can handle it. And so, yeah, you're just not just, just less minutes allocable. For sure. Now, we'll get into it, but Antoine cleared to play in game play. Yeah. So, so that could change Justin Moore's minutes allocation or Collins or both. I'm sure it'll be both. But that, let's get to that topic later. Yeah. 
But it's just still so jarring that the margin of error is so low because those two, if they're not playing and playing well, then we are just so thin that there is nothing else that we can accomplish with that because the next guy off the bench is like Chris Archie Diacono. Right, yeah. Who we've talked about is just not ready yet. No, absolutely not. Right. And I think it's also interesting, too, even when those guys are both on the floor, the skill set that they're bringing and the skill set that the team as a whole is bringing is different perhaps than has been in years past where we don't really have a guy who's breaking defenses down off the dribble and creating some open looks for some of the other guys. Because Colin tries it sometimes. It's not really his strength. Justin Moore, like, maybe he'll get there, but doesn't really seem to be his strength. And I don't think, frankly, it's Brian Antoine's strength either. So even when we have those guys in there, it's not like we have this really diverse skill set that we have been able to lean on in the past. Even going back to last year, Phil Booth is going to take people, break people down, off the dribble, and we just don't have that this year. Right, yeah. And then you never want to be talking about your team, oh, they have to shoot well to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we shoot well, we have a chance. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be talking about a team like that. And hopefully by the end of the year we won't be saying that about this team. But right now we're saying it about this team. This team is a needs to shoot well to win. Can win a lot of games, but needs to shoot well to win. Yeah. And if you're saying that, that's not a good recipe for success come March. Sure. So a lot of time to get there, but – yeah, right I, now this team is right is there. Yeah, and I mean it, it's neat that we can have five guys on the floor who can and will shoot the three. But like you said, if they're not going in, we're going to have some real issues right now. Yeah, maybe we'll get to the point where hey, we start feeding it inside, but that doesn't seem to be quite the game plan just yet. Yeah. Now, a couple things that are kind of normal in a Jay Wright year of any year, guys slow to pick up the switching defense. That is, I get all the time occurrence. Like, even in 2018, that team took forever to figure out Yeah, the it, it, did, it did seem like it took that team a while to come Yeah, it, it, it basically took that team until the month of March to fully coalesce as a defensive I team. I mean, I remember us when we started the podcast, we were critiquing in our expert basketball opinions <laughs> that we have, but, you know, like critiquing Omari at that point, being like, oh, he was slow on this switch, or he looked lost, and clearly everything got put together by the end of the year. So we're right. just starting out. Right. So, yeah, so you expect that. You expect lapses in defense. All that is common. No, no surprises there. It's probably accentuated by the fact that the team's young on top of the fact that it's early in the season. But that's something that I look forward to improve throughout the season. But it, it's going to be an interesting, it's gonna be an interesting uh, task in how far the team's floor in, um, lifts throughout the year will be how well the freshmen and and sophomores and, and, and we have juniors and we don't have seniors, how, how well they're able to grasp that defense and work together as a unit over the season. If that if the defense gets significantly better throughout the season, then I feel much better about the team's floor. That's um, fair. Other than that, I mean, look, you can't go on – I just don't understand how people – some people were like really like blown away. I saw comments on Twitter like, is this the worst loss of Jay Wright's era? No. It, it is. It was technically one of the worst losses in the Jay Wright era. I think the largest they mentioned on the broadcast was to the Creighton loss yeah. when we got when we got Creighton, and this was a couple points behind it. But to me, you can't take a young like you have to factor in expectations. Like it's the worst loss is not just numerically how much did you lose by. It's 
it's a variety of factors. Sure. And there's no way a team playing on the road versus an experienced team that's re- bringing back most of its team, that's a ranked team with an experienced coach who has been actually pretty good against Jay over the years versus a young team with no seniors when we're a, a veteran program. Like, that's – like Jay's never shown an aptitude to play with a young team to play well. Yeah. And that's not his – that's not the way he runs his program – that's not the way we want him to run the program. Like no one in Villanova, like everyone loves to talk about how he's got senior guys and he's not one and done, and everyone likes that, or whatever. So you then, in the same breath, can't say on the other side of your mouth, "Why can't Jay coach like Calipari and, yeah, and yeah, coach yeah, K?" Like, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's a fair point. Yeah. So you take the good with the bad. So the the, the reality situation is when you have a young team, they're going to struggle more in Jay Wright's system than they would in like a K or Calipari's system. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, look, we, we talked about it on previous podcasts. We don't want to overact. We knew the team would grow. One thing that I, I loved seeing was after the loss um, on Instagram, I think you had Brunson and Booth both commenting like, hey, uh, we lost to Oklahoma pretty bad a couple years ago. Worked out all right for us in 16, which is true. And again, situation is different, but it does change the mindset a little bit. I know. You know, a couple of years ago when that happened, I was personally freaking out and the sky is falling and I'm not in that situation. Yeah. Yes. We're spoiled because we have two daddies in the past three years, but four years at this point. But, like, it is what it is. I do think an interesting thing that came out of that game was, is this the Michigan game all over again? And I would say no because last year when I watched the Michigan game, I thought to myself, this team's ceiling – is way lower than I thought it was. Mm, mm. When I watched the Ohio State game, I said, this team's floor yeah. is low. Yeah. Not necessarily lower than I thought it was, but low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's totally fair because if we talk about what we had discussed as the ceiling for this team, you know, last year we're talking about, you know, a deep March run was the expectation coming in again. Like, you had two seniors, like, hey, yeah, we lost a bunch of guys, but, like, we still had some expectations there. You thought this was a second-weekend team yeah, when we yeah. walked into yet last year's season. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, I think that's totally fair that this loss just shows, yeah, we've got a ways to go. Like, it doesn't change what the upside could be. Yeah. And we'll see the team's going to grow into it. So and I don't, I don't think we're going to see that upside until much later in the season. You might see flashes. Yeah. You might see one game out of nowhere in December, maybe against Kansas. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that'd be that'd be nice. Yeah, but like you might see a team where everything seems to click, and then like everyone's like, okay, we got this. We're on a roll now, whatever. And the next game we come out and throw out a dud. Like yeah, wouldn't surprise right. me in the slightest to have that happen. Yeah, because it's a young team. Yeah, and you're gonna get that Jekyll and Hyde, and people again. Preparation is different. People react differently home and on the road. Yeah. It's just it's just how it goes. It's just part of the nature of college basketball players, especially in Jay's program. Any positives from the week? I know we were focusing on Ohio State. Anything from Ohio? I mean, Bay had a nice game, 19 on 7 of 10. Justin Moore had a good game. It, one thing Six that I saw is, is I believe in the Army game, and I might, be, I might be misremembering, but I believe in the Army game, JRE – took a couple threes and they didn't go down but they look fine and i believe in both the ohio state and ohio game jre hit a couple threes in each of those games so yeah he was actually two for four from three in both yeah, yeah. okay so that's so that, he's he's comfortable I, you're spot on yeah yeah i remember correctly <laughs> that like he had a couple threes in each of those games 
we knew he was comfortable shooting the J, but to see him hit it yeah. was like I think a key thing for me because now that's another thing that the opponents have to respect about his game. Like it's good to have a guy go out there and shoot it, but like he's got to hit it a couple times to make opponents honest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple other things like look again with Antoine coming back, I expect over time Antoine to slowly take one of probably Justin Moore's minutes away from him, provided that Antoine is doing that. But that being said, maybe, maybe. I, can see, you, I can see him as the sixth man. You, yeah, I agree. I could see Brian Antoine filling into the DiVincenzo, Phil Booth. Which, do you want to get into that now, or should we get into it? Well, let's get into it in just a second. Yeah. But like, what I want to focus on positives is that the more, as much as it's like painful at points, the more Moore and Gillespie <laughs> are playing serious minutes and have to have serious game pressure and serious situations that they have to manage through the the whole team will benefit from that presuming Antoine is capable when he is fully back and fully all the way in the rotation like it'll definitely help that Antoine sorry that that Moore and Gillespie got that experience yeah so I think that that's a positive takeaway that I have um VU Hoops had a really good article about how our three first guys off the bench, um, Swider and Slater and uh, DCR, have are like specialist roles mm. right now. And I couldn't agree more. I thought the article was great. Brendan Riley was, was putting it out there. VU Hoops, check it out. I really highly recommend it. Um, but it was all about how our bench is highly specialized, mm. and it'll be interesting to track their progress throughout the season and overcoming some things. Example, and I know this is the best example, Swider is a lights-out shooter. And it was, like, really good for me to see over the last few games that he really can knock him down. Yeah, he's like, playing way more confident. Like, than last season, he had a couple. He had one game against Providence, I think it was, yeah. and then he immediately got hurt. Yep. Um, and that kind of, like, hurt like his progress that season it's awesome to see him just be like an absolute killer from deep that's cool positive the other side is he's horrible on defense <laughs> yeah. He, yeah he's not good yeah and like i think he knows it i'm like i don't think i'm saying anything offensive yeah, or whatever yeah. like like i'm like and he's he's big long guy so he should yeah. be good defensively he's just not fully getting the motions and the movement and whatever he's I'm horrible not, i'm not challenging his effort it's just he's not good at it yeah, yeah. so if he can become good at defense, that will a he'll get a bump up in yeah. minutes, and b like the whole team is going to be much better as a result because then you can play Swider a ton, yeah. Not worry about being a, him being a liability, yeah. And also be able to be a total threat from deep. It is interesting to think about the sixth man because who do so who did we who have we had over time? So who was last year's sixth man? I can't even remember. It's really bad. Like Cremo. Oh, good God! It might be. That's terrible. Let's write that off. Let's ignore that one. But no. but yeah. But point being, like you know, you had Dante before that. You had the you know the long legs of Hart. Yeah, Like you've got you've yeah. got guys who were generally more all around players who could play a variety of positions. Where yes, this year okay maybe it is a little bit more specialized, which is interesting. But I don't know. It doesn't excite me quite as much. Like. In Jay's three years that he made the Final Four, he had an elite guard who he had coming off the bench that he could heat it up. So you had Fisher in 2009. 
you had Phil Booth in 2016 and you had DiVincenzo in 2018. And all of them made significant contributions to each of their teams at that time. Yeah. So I think it's critical that that Antoine comes in and plays well, but then also to that point about Swider and Slater. Slater is like the opposite. Slater is like a like a lockdown defender. Yeah. And and but scoring wise is a challenge. So I I thought that was interesting auto by View Hoops. Check it out, viewhoops.com. I, I I highly recommend that one. I think that the good news is seeing Swider perform well from shooting deep and shoot and seeing Slater play pretty well after getting very limited burn last year. Again, little positive takeaways that I'm taking from... Uh, very well. To be clear, he was 0 for 6 against Ohio State. But he's playing with confidence, and he did knock down a few shots against Ohio. Yeah, right. Right. No, no. I'm, that was my point, though, is that he's a defender, but he can't shoot. So, like, it's it's good to see them playing and playing with some confidence early on this season, and I think that it will reap benefits as the season goes on and they get more comfortable. Sure. Uh, that 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 finishes off the week that was. Let's talk about Antoine real quick. Yeah. So he was previously cleared for medical for all basketball activities. Yeah. So he was able to start dribbling and passing and shooting. It's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Big day. <laughs> Last week, but this week it just actually came out. Was it today or was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I think. Yeah. Um, that he's cleared to play game action and he's available. Uh, for, for the tournament. For the tournament that's coming up. Myrtle so, Beach Invitational. Myrtle Beach. The big one, the, as they refer to the, it. The biggin. The biggin. It's a biggin. It's a biggin. It's true. It's not. It's definitely not. It's not bad. It's just not. It's not bad. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, yeah. It's but anyway, Antoine coming back. We talked about it a little bit already, just to dive a little bit deeper into it. Definitely excited that he's already ready for game action. For sure. Candidly, this is sooner than I thought. As we discussed. We saw it in the first podcast of the season. We said probably won't see any games until December. Probably not a relevant member of the lineup. Like, actually, our expectations were, like, little to none. Yeah. yeah. In the entire season. Yeah. So, like, you accelerate the timeline of him starting to play to this week. I expect to see him a little bit in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. And then he'll probably progress a little bit. Probably have a minutes restriction early on. And then... Hopefully, by Biggie's play now, I actually am a believer that he'll be a rotation player by Biggie's play. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I don't expect a whole lot from him this weekend. Uh, we've got a number of games in a row, and I would imagine Jay will take a pretty cautious approach to it. So yeah. introduce him, sprinkle him in throughout, see what he can do, get him a little a little warm-up. But, yeah, I wouldn't expect a whole lot at this point. Yeah, if you think Jay is going to be like, oh, my God, i got to get Antoine in, otherwise we're going to, like— and, and be in panic mode, no. Yeah. Jay, I'm sure Jay would probably take, like, a loss or even a couple losses rather than put him in prematurely. Yeah, and take any risk on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no chance. Yeah. So so what do you think he's going to – so where does he end up long-term? Because we started to get into this a little bit was, you know, the logical spot is, hey, he could take the two slot from Justin Moore or he could actually end up as – kind of the sixth starter, as Jay's been known to do, right? Where, hey, maybe he's a little bit more of the all-around guy who just slots in off the bench real quick. My expectation is that he's going to end up being a bench guy for at least until mid-January. Here's what I think is going to happen. There's going to be a game or two or three in a row where 
either Moore or Gillespie is banged up or something like that, and they're on a minutes restriction. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he inserts as the starter role. Mm. And mm. that's going to become the litmus test, so to speak. And yeah. if Antoine takes the starter role, embraces it, and whatever, he's going to send the other guy to the six-man role. But I don't think that Antoine is going to usurp the six the the starters role until after the new year. Yeah, I, I think that's barring right. an injury. Yeah, and and just to be clear, if you're sitting there thinking, "Hey, you guys are crazy. This is a five-star recruit who Jay's obviously going to slot him in." Clearly, that's not what Jay needs to do or feels the need to do, and has shown historically that he he doesn't do that. <laughs> and he, who if, could I be referencing? Hmm. If he did. <laughs> There would be another guard on yeah, the team. Yeah, we would have another point guard on the team. Yeah. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I think once Jay established this idea of the sixth starter, which, whether it was a ploy or not, was actually kind of like a great long-term ploy. If you go back a couple years, and it's like, oh, yeah, Dante's our sixth starter. Because effectively he was. Like, he spread those minutes across the board. And, yeah, Dante came in like three minutes after the game started and played 25 minutes or whatever it was. It's a great ploy because then you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're like the sixth starter. Like, it's it's not a big deal. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think it's it's going to take a little bit for Antoine to get worked in. And, frankly, I kind of like to have a guy, as we were just talking about earlier, I like to have a guy like Antoine who's a little bit more of an all-around player that can come off the bench and give us a little bit more than perhaps what some of the other guys can do. That said, also, it's not as if Brian Antoine gives us this awesome, like, breakdown off the dribble skill set that nobody else in the rotation has, right? He doesn't have, as much as people like to hate on him, like, Brian Antoine doesn't have handles like JQ. Like, that's not his strength, right? Like, he's, he's generally known for being a shooter. He's, like, pretty athletic. He can jump high, fine, yeah, whatever. And let's, just, let's just pause for a moment just to be clear. He's a five-star top 20 yeah, yeah, recruit. Yeah. So he's all around skill. There aren't many deficiencies in his game. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about what he brings to the table that is his differentiator, yeah. it is not a break-em-down slasher yes. type guy. Now, if he turns out to be out of nowhere, awesome, uh, uh, cool. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, but, like, that's not his game. Like, we watched, like, four videos just so like a, as, like, a – yeah. It's like a brain refresh. Yeah, we watched like four videos of highlights from from his time in high there's school. There's like no slashing, and there's no, it's all shooting. Yes, right. Yeah, which by the way, if you ever watch high school video, high school highlight videos, they're trash. Yeah. Second of all, they're designed to highlight like all of the awesome, like oh, I put you like I broke your ankles, like throw it on jam. There actually wasn't all that much of from Brian Antoine. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, all right, that's fine. Like I know what I'm getting. Yeah, right. Versus like. When you were watching JQ's highlight reel Whoa. videos, it'd be like sending guys to the ground yeah, and absolutely. like these these, yeah. these flourish finishes and like this that and the other thing, and it was all. I did see an Antoine Jelly in there. I will say that you did. I did. I saw, I saw one. Yeah. Um. So look, Antoine's going to be skilled. Antoine's got a ton of skill. Hot take here, Brian Antoine, pretty skilled. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> He's skilled in a variety. Be on the lookout for him. He's skilled in a variety of ways. But that being said, this is a guy who's had a shoulder injury, and he hasn't been able to hit the gym to any serious extent. So he's came in thin. He's still thin now. He's like Mikael Bridges thin. Yeah. Now Jay has um, applauded his work ethic in getting back, and I think the fact that he's back earlier than anyone was expected is a tribute to that. Yeah. But 
that doesn't mean that it's necessarily means that he's going to be right back in there slotted in 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game from the get-go, slashing, dashing, all those other things. So, All right, here's a question for you. What is your, uh, what's your week? I'll give you a week range. What's your week prediction where you say, uh, this is the week of Brian Antoine? When's the it happen? The week of Brian Antoine. I'm going to go with the third week of Jan. No, last week of January. Last week of January. Interesting. Okay. I think I'm going to go a little bit earlier. I'm going to go second week of January, and he's going to be coming off the bench, and he's just going to go. It's going to be like he's going to have two games where he's going to play like 20 minutes, but he's going to be hyper-efficient, and he's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's the guy off the bench. Like That's the five-star recruit. Yeah. And that's when he starts to make that move, I think. So there you go. Okay. Cool. I like that. Done. Uh, done. Perfect. Settled. Yep. So watch out for Justin Moore in January. I mean, uh, Brian Antoine in January. <laughs> um, should we talk about the um, the big tournament we have coming up, the big one, and the opponent that we need to watch out for, the Ohio Bobcats? <laughs> we have a rematch that could happen. <laughs> it could happen. Unlikely, but it could happen. Unlikely. We could face the Ohio Bobcats again. <laughs> that would be unreal if we played Ohio twice. I think we had another tournament like that a couple years ago where we could have played somebody twice. By the way, imagine being like a cat and your first part of that name is Bob. It's pretty bad. I think you're stretching on this one, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain that. And yes, that, that would be unfortunate. <laughs> it's way worse than wild. It is definitely worse than wild. That's true. Anyway, so the week ahead. So we play Middle Tennessee State on Thursday. Correct. And... Middle Tennessee State is off to a 3-0 start. Um, they have one guy who's like Conference USA, like all 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 first team Conference USA, who's averaging like 25 points a game. Antonio Green. Antonio is the name Green. To yeah. Know. Also, though, I will say C.J. Jones is another name to know. Basically, those are their two guys. Yeah. So Antonio Green averages 25 a game. C.J. Jones averaging 20 a game. They're both actually like hyper-efficient, shooting around 50% from three. So they can kind of light it up. Like you said, they are 3-0. and That said, they were picked to finish eighth in Conference USA. So don't expect a whole lot from this team. Yes, they're 3-0, and but it's it's not like they've beaten Kentucky twice and Michigan State once. Well, let's put it this way. This would be very disappointing if we don't win this game. Yeah. We should win this game. We should absolutely win this game. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so, those are the guys to watch out for. So, if we win, then the two teams that you got to watch out for, for real, are Baylor and um, Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. And so, Mississippi State would be the team that we would presumably play next. If we beat Middle Tennessee, the higher-ranked team is Mississippi State. So, that would be the assumption that we play them. Coached by former Pitt coach Ben Howland. Ooh. Has them off to a 4 0 start. And also former UCLA coach. True. True, yes. Yeah, yeah I went way back in time. With yeah, the you went way back. I went back to my Appalachia roots. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if we play Mich- Mississippi State, we could pl- also play Tulane, but if we play Mississippi State, Mississippi State was at other receiving votes. Yeah. Uh, so They're a quality good, a good team, team. Yeah. definitely a losable game, but a win could go a long way um, in March yeah. if we're able to get past them. They've got also a number of – Ben Howland's done a nice job with the team. They have a number of uh, pretty highly rated recruits, not 
from this year, but over the past couple years. So they're led by this guy, Tyson Carter. And then they've got a couple other guys who are averaging over 10 a game. So, like, they've got a little bit of balance with the team. And they are definitely they're going to be a tough act, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, this is not going to be any, a tournament that we should just waltz to a victory on like you would have expected in the past. So, um, Mississippi State is definitely a losable game, but it could be a winnable game. And if we get that, I'm telling you, if we get that win. Hot, hot take. <laughs> could be losable. Could be a winnable game. Yeah, it's going to come down to which team scores more points. Um, but <laughs> we're bringing you the real insight here at the full but, forty. But my point is, is that there's a team that has a shot to make the tournament and could be a good bubble win um, if we need it come later in the year. Now, yeah. hopefully, we won't need it. Yeah. But if we do, that could be a big one later in the year. And then finally, like the idea would be that we get to play Baylor. Baylor is a top twenty-five team. Barely hanging on. Hanging on. Twenty-fourth. They did have a. Not so great loss. Lost to Washington. Yeah, which okay. is fine. Washington is now a top twenty-five top team. Top twenty-five so. team. Yeah, it's fine. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and so, Washington is a, is a they lost to Washington, and Baylor is you know a top twenty-five team, and we have a chance if we can get it to get this done. And if we win this tournament, I do think that that'll bode well for our March chances. That's 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 basically my take my. If I had to predict takeaways from this tournament, that's my takeaways. That being said, what what's your prediction here? I'm not really predicting a tournament win. Are you? No, definitely not. Um, I think we beat Middle Tennessee State. I think we lose to – I don't think Tulane advances. I think Mississippi State advances. I think we lose to Mississippi State. And that's what – that's consistent. But then we go – but you're guaranteed to play every game down there. So we would then go into, like, the lose – the consolation bracket – and be playing for like a theoretical third place game. Correct. Yeah. So I would I would guess that we because at that point then you end up playing you would play likely either Baylor or Utah. Utah. Yeah. Which if we play Baylor, then you could end up one and two coming out of that tournament. Right. Which would be not a great outcome. No. I figured we'd lose one in this tournament. Um, I still think we lose one. Yeah. I think even if we lose to Mississippi State, I think the team will get turned around and beat Baylor. Baylor's like, yeah. It's interesting. These tournaments are really good for a young team, maybe more so than a more experienced team. Because you get a chance to be on the road for several days in a row and like – the one thing that I feel like helps younger players is like the repetition of a routine. And so they're going to be on the road. They're going to have like a set schedule every single day. And like you do this, you do that, you do the other thing. Boom, boom, boom. And like you have to do it three days in a row. And even the act of playing basketball in games that count is like you can't replicate that. So getting the opportunity to play three games in three days gives – a young team more of an opportunity to coalesce, continue over those three games. Now it could go the other, it could cut the other way, where if you have some chemistry problem or something like that, it accentuates that over three days. And we saw that with Arizona a few years back, right? If you remember, but I don't think that's going to happen here. I think I think no matter what, yes, we need we really need to go two and one or better, and in this tournament for like March purposes, but for purposes of this team getting better. I think that 
this is just going to be a good week for the team. What are you, what are you looking for from this team? Like, not record-wise, but, like, you know, we sit here, you know, we sit here a week from now. What are you looking for from, like, a takeaway perspective? Um, I want to see the guys who have looked, especially the bench, who have looked uncomfortable in the things that they're not good at. I want to see them begin to develop good habits in doing that. So, like, Swider getting the opportunity to play defense, like, three days in a row. Like, that's something that I'm looking for. Um Slater getting more reps at shooting and and getting to try and score the ball three games in a row. Like, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, Antoine getting any minutes, I feel like, is a benefit. Yeah. Like, I just don't expect – I think Jay's still going to be cautious and limited with him. But that's good. I'm looking for Colin to get a rhythm. That's something that I, I'm looking for. I would I would like there, – there are two guys in particular I'm looking for and two guys we talked a lot about at the beginning of the season. Colin and Samuels. Yeah. Who have both gotten off to a bit of a slower start. They've contributed in different ways for sure. But I would love to see the team come out of this tournament and Colin and Samuels I, – I don't want to say necessarily have their swagger back, but – are very much knocking stuff down and kind of asserting their place, if you will. Because then I think you've already seen Bay stepping up in, in a few situations, and I want to see him to continue that. We've seen JRE do it a bit. Um, you know, I'd love to see the whole team kind of come together, and I think those those two guys in particular would really help round that out. So if we come out of this and say, hey, look, Jermaine and Colin have, like, definitely kind of step back into where they were last year like that would be awesome and then complementing that with some some nice brian antoine minutes you know maybe it's like 10 again like you know if he gets 10 that'd be amazing i would love that and looks comfortable on the court that would be a huge success yeah. for me um mine is uh, one one that i was going to get to was demir cosby roundtree who's really kind of struggled to start the season yeah. in a variety of ways i thought the ohio game he started to show a little bit more confidence and comfort as the game progressed. But he's kind of looked like he's thinking he's like the way I would describe it is that you could almost see the wheels turning mm, as he's playing. Mm. And I feel like he just felt and pretend, I, I don't know, I'm guessing here, but there could have been a situation in which he felt like, okay, I, I had a good freshman run, sophomore year made progress, junior year I expect to kind of come in and be like a major contributor right and jre's just been better yeah in every facet and is more capable it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. right there's nothing wrong with that but dco is a talented guy and he's and he's had some really good plays for villanova so like Absolutely. what i think what I, what I think though is that having three games in a row will provide him that little bit of comfort that like that continued repetition of doing it and whatever like the mind kind of i don't know like when like i'll liken it to like i i never played basketball growing up like I didn't play shittily, but like <laughs> if I played golf after not playing for a while, yeah. and I played golf like two or three games, two or three in a row, or like several times in a given week. By the time that like last round came came up, maybe I wasn't like fixing all of my problems in my swing, but there were certain things feel for the game that I was doing much better and much more innately without having to think about it. Yeah, that just kind of came naturally, and I feel like. In the start of a season, when someone's getting off to a struggling start, like a guy like DCR, I feel like that repetition of doing it several times in a row will help. Yeah. And what's interesting, though, is we had a similar conversation. I don't know if we did, but 
certainly the coaching staff did last year with DCR around the same point in time. And I remember actually coming out of the early season tournament last year where I think it was in the championship game, like Dada had an awesome game yeah, against, Florida against Florida State. And yeah. Jay made the point of saying, like, we turned to him and said, hey, we need you to step up and be that assertive guy. So maybe this is, again, the time, like, hey, maybe it just takes him a couple of games to get into it. Who knows? Like, yeah. But, yeah, you know, this is, as you, as you mentioned, maybe this can be the catalyst for him to start to say, yep, I'm back, like, we're good. So it's interesting, actually. You know, if we talk about, I talked about Colin and Jermaine, you talked about Dada, all these guys in the junior class, like, hey, early, these are our young leaders on the team that we want to step up. And so hopefully this is a tournament that kind of, gets them back to, to gelling a little bit, and maybe it puts the team, I don't know, a little closer together. Yeah. For, like, a team, like, this is the difference between this year and other years, and I think this is why the fan base needs to read, like, I'm hoping the Ohio State game took, if they didn't listen to us, takes takes the place of resetting that expectation. This is the time of the year where you get your house in order, so mm. to speak. And, like, you got to figure out what you got. And then, and then you're able to put it together in a way that, like, makes you most successful. Yeah. Jay is really good at this. Like, it might look ugly early, but Jay is really good at, like, evaluating what he's got and then putting it together in a way that the whole is better than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Okay? So, like, so like what am I looking for more than anything else? Chemistry. I'm looking for the team to develop more chemistry fueled by good habits, fueled by being together, etc., during that time period. This would have been a great year. I wish this was the year where we had our Europe trip because mm, like that would yeah. have totally helped this team kind of come together a little bit more. I'm telling you, that's what I'm looking for maybe more than anything else is does this team coalesce around itself, around each other, and start to develop some element of chemistry and some type of flow that is more consistent game in, game out. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for here. I'm glad that we're playing this tournament early. Like most times, these tournaments are turkey tournaments. They're right around Thanksgiving. Mm. But Thanksgiving's late. Thanksgiving's late. We really could use the reps early. Yeah. And I think this will only pay dividends going forward by doing it. Fair. All right. Should we, um, should we wrap up with a little heart monitor? Yeah, I don't even think. We just call it the Eric monitor. The Eric monitor. It continues to be. Dude dropped another 30-point game last night. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, look, he's playing with more or less, like, G League players on his team. I think Draymond Green ran point last night. Um, Eric got the start again. And they were playing the Pelicans, but they were basically playing, like, the Pelicans' second unit because they had a ton of their starters hurt, Josh Hart included. So take it with a grain of salt, but look, Eric dropped another 30 points against some pseudo-NBA talent. It's nothing to sneeze at, and he's very much establishing himself as a guy who belongs in the league. And you can contrast that even with another rookie on the team who's actually drafted ahead of, drafted ahead of him, Jordan Poole from Michigan, who has looked like absolute dog shit and hasn't been able to hit the broad side of the barn. So look, call it what it is against whoever it is. Eric's getting it done night in and night out and continues to be the face of the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> uh- it's the thing about Eric that I love is the fact that he's like it is not just us being like a heart monitor and like propping up a Villanova guy's play. Like Eric is getting talked about in the league. Yeah. Like it's 
and it's like he's like a topic of conversation. Like, yeah, sure. Eric is actually like this is not us being homers. He's actually carved out like an early like hey this guy could be a potential rookie of the year candidate. Yeah. I mean like, and that's not being a homer. Like John Morant's off to a really good start. Right, right. But like Eric has probably made more headlines than Ja has up until the um, the game winner that Ja Morant had this past. I was season. gonna say, if the voting was happening today, Morant probably gets it and I Eric name gets recognition off No, yeah. I mean Ja's having a very, a very good yeah, yeah. season. Um he he gets it and then Eric's probably second at this point. Yeah. We'll see what happens when Zion comes back. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But a lot of the other Nova guys are pretty hurt, pretty banged up at this point. So not a whole lot else going on. Keep watching, Eric. It's exciting. All right. So that's the pod. Ohio State, don't be too worried. Yep. Is what it is this time of year. Uh, Big tournament coming up. Look for the team to kind of continue to build that chemistry and rapport with one another and continue to gel as a unit. And we'll be with you post-tournament. Yes. Because then we get into some Big Five and other games. Correct. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.